Hey guys, welcome back to the Scary Sniff Podcast. I'm Mike Hawkins. This is my co-host, Scott Noyce. I just want to take this uh, time to let you guys know that our YouTube channel has extra content. They're called outtakes. They're usually tangents that we go on throughout the episode, talking about things that don't really relate to the episode so much, but are we, we find to be interesting little snippets of, of content. So if you want to check out those exclusive clips, you can just go to YouTube and uh, look up Scared Stiff Podcast. How are you doing, Scott? I'm all right. How are you doing? I mean, I wish we weren't talking about this movie. I'll tell you that much. Well, I definitely <laughs> want to address the fact that this isn't the first time we talked about the movie. Yeah. This is another take on this because the first time we did it was right after you finished watching the movie and you were like clearly upset about it and not very happy. Not even just disappointed with the movie, but it's just like, you know how like you'll get out of something and you're like, if I just don't talk about that for the rest of the day, the day will be easier. It was clearly yeah. much like that. So it's yes, like, I was. It was not. It was not the day. So today's episode is on Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I am very vocal about saying I don't like at all. I don't think it's very strong of a movie. I think a lot of the visual gags are why people come back to it and say, oh, it's not that bad. And they don't actually watch the fucking movie and they just have it on the mute button. And they're like, oh, it's cool, right? No, it's not cool. That's, <laughs> that's, why that's the tamest I, way I've ever had you explain that. I'll say well, that much. Well, the reason we did the movie is because I want to have us talk about the classic horror monsters, but we'll do it in a way where we'll do it with different decades. My favorite is Bela Lugosi's. Mike's favorite is Horror of Dracula, but nobody's favorite is Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> and I wanted to talk about it because when we when I first saw it, Mike lent me one of his um, accounts to watch it on. I was like, oh, yeah, dude, thanks, man. I really wanted to see this movie. I always liked the, like, the opening, but I never got all the way through it. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's pretty fun. I think you'll, like, you'll enjoy it. And then when I finally finished it, I sent him a text and I said, fuck you i hate this movie and he's like no i know it's not that bad like you, you you can't say it's all bad like there's some cool sets i'm like that doesn't matter like the sets have no meaning to them there's no weight there's no contact with even the actors on the sets he's like ah, whatever man yeah and then that's why when we did this i'm like you know what let's do dracula and he looks at me he's like you fucking hate that movie why would you want to do it it's like i've got a lot to say though and you haven't seen it in a bit and i want to see what you say when you watch it you say what you went through when you watched the movie again. So I uh, I came home from work. I grabbed my 4K copy of it off the shelf. And I brought it upstairs. I started watching it. You know, it was, like you said, like the opening scene is great. Like it's, it's really, really great. It goes so steeply downhill after that, though. And as I was sitting there watching it, because when I went into it, I was like, oh, no, it's probably still going to be an entertaining movie for me. I'll have a good time. Uh, oh my God, I, I just wanted it to end after the first 15 minutes. This movie is incredibly dull and it almost put me to sleep. I even texted you and said, dude, this movie is literally cinematic NyQuil. It is so boring. There's nothing to latch onto in this movie aside from aesthetics. And that's that that in itself is boring to have to say. Yeah, especially when the aesthetics are just so hollow. Like Exactly. I, I think one of the biggest things that when I said I didn't like the movie and the first thing you said to me really was like, I think there's like some really cool set pieces and like, I love the aesthetic of the film. That's what most people will always come back to when they talk about this movie, especially is that like, oh, it looks great. I think there's so much fun to, stuff to look at and it's beautiful. It's pretty. This Like the, the way some of the shots are set up are really nicely framed, but you have scenes where they're, the scene is only set up for that shot. And you have scenes where there's a lot of cool stuff in the background, but you don't have the actors interacting with the set. And you really don't understand how important that is, not only in just like 
regular film, but horror films especially. People in horror films have to interact with the set. If you're cowering away from somebody, the set plays a big part in it because it's like it's adding to the tension. Say you're watching a horror movie and someone's running away from a slasher villain, you know, they're hiding in a corner. Depending on how cool that corner shot could be, you could have an amazing shot that could possibly be the poster for your movie or just the shot that everyone thinks of when they're thinking of your film. This film doesn't have shots like that. This film has shots where like things look beautiful, but there's no emotional weight to it. There's nothing that connects you with the people in the scene. When I want Laurie Strode to survive from Michael Myers, when she's hiding in a closet, there's an emotional weight to it. There's connected narrative that's making me feel like I want her to get out of it. When Dracula is going to go bite somebody in this movie, I don't care. Like, there's nothing that prevents me from saying, okay, can we speed past this? Like, I know they're going to get bit. And besides the cool, like, effects of, like, the blood just spewing or anything and the, the fantastic designs that also have no weight, there's nothing that really makes you feel like you ironically can sink your teeth into this movie. And that's yes. a big problem. And that comes down to a lot of it. It's just the characters are just so whatever. Like they are, they are. I don't want to say they're accurate and all that stuff, but they, they're, they're, they're basically names with faces, and you kind of understand what's going on with them. But a lot of it just doesn't feel like it's, it has any humanity behind it. It just kind of feels like they are part of the scenery almost. And Francis Ford Coppola is more focused on trying to be inventive visually rather than really telling a, a compelling emotional narrative between people. And that's even with him framing the story around romance between Mina and Dracula. It, there's, there's nothing there is the problem. Sure, we get, we get the idea from the beginning about how, you know, the actress who, you know, Winona Ryder plays both Mina and his, his wife that back in the dead. olden days. That is dead. That's, that, again, like, that's, like we talked about this in two different episodes already. How character is very important to um, to why you get invested in these things, and especially a movie like this that's supposed to be this like uh, two hour epic of horror and romance, and it it just it, when you don't have characters that you can really identify with, all of it fails. Like it all just falls apart because the whole point of romance is you're supposed to want people to either be together or not, and you have to want people in horror movies to either live or not and the problem is is that in this movie when you have characters as boring and dull as they are you don't care about either thing so the whole movie doesn't work and that's the big problem with this one yeah i don't care about anybody except for like one person and he fucking dies anyways <laughs> I, I mean i like lucy like we, we've talked about we, we this i don't like movie. lucy as a character i like lucy's subplot yeah i, I think enjoy, lucy I enjoy a watching is her whatever I enjoy watching her and I enjoy the the suitors all three yeah. of them. But like the that's a C that's a C plot. That's a C plot. That's yeah. not even and that's that's the problem. But let's at least talk about the one thing that we do genuinely like not approve of, but like in this film. Like I think that the Lucy subplot is the most interesting and the most cohesive as far as a narrative in the story. Because when you first get introduced to Lucy. She introduces each of the three suitors. She introduces first Quincy. She introduces next Jack. And she next introduces Arthur. And those three characters play a key role in not just this film, but especially for her part of the film. When Lucy ends up getting bit and fucking raped by Dracula, Arthur is, you know, at that point married to her. Jack is her doctor. So he's trying to figure out what's going on. Arthur is trying to get any conceivable way that he can help her out. 
and Quincy is just the fucking Texan badass. So he'll, he'll fucking kill anything. <laughs> so yeah. you have the way to My set boy. up all these three characters that'll take care of Lucy's subplot. When she does become a vampire, she goes through a cosmetic change that she's dressed in a huge like white gown because she was presumed dead and they buried her. She pours so, on white. So when she does showcase her like vampire qualities and she's one of the undead, the the change matters. Like the design difference is important. It's the only time you see her different than usual, besides popping out a few fangs that retract. That matters because there's weight to it. Lucy has the most weight as a character in this film and feels the most ironically grounded. And when the suitors come, when she's becoming a vampire, they have a great way of setting up the introduction scene with her and the suitors and doing it the exact same when she's a vampire. The first one is Quincy. like, oh, I love you, Quincy, blah, blah, blah. Oh, take me in your arms, blah, blah, And then same with Jack, then same with Arthur. And when she's becoming a vampire, she does the exact same thing, not in the same order, but it's a great way of like having a callback because she's changing and she's also trying to get them to lust over her and take them with her. That's great. And it it's, also, particu- it's particularly great for Arthur's because he's too. the last one too. He's the last one and he's emotionally affected by the situation. And it's really, it's, it's one of the most human moments in the entire movie, honestly. Yeah. In a movie that feels very, very devoid of humanity. Yeah. I, I would say if you didn't have some of that stuff with Arthur too, he would just be a generic character. I think the portrayal oh, yeah. is good because I like Carrie L's a lot. You know, I never seen him in something I wasn't fond of, but Same. his character is so non-important. He's, he's so whatever. He's just the married one. Boy. I think that's funny too, because I did watch Horror of Dracula yesterday. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's just so weird how like in Horror of Dracula, that Arthur is the main character by the end, besides Van Helsing. And yeah. I th- it's so weird. It's the only film that sets up that dichotomy where Arthur is the other protagonist but yeah. it's so weird that when they had him in this film jonathan harker yeah and that film does things very differently and i actually really yeah. like the fact that they take that play like they they take the usual go by they usually take okay harker uh mina that formula and they change it a bit because yeah. in that film they make harker isn't just well first of all harker's not selling property to dracula he's a librarian but he's yeah. not going there to really be his librarian at that point, when Harker goes to Castle Dracula, he already knows he's a vampire. Yeah, he's he's working with Van Helsing. Yeah, that's that's a cool way to set that up too. Yeah, it's just different. It's really cool. Yeah, and also great makes a good connection of Van Helsing and Harker, and and also makes him connect to, to Dracula very well because it doesn't go so well for Harker. Yeah, I so. I feel the connection with Harker and Dracula is the loosest out of the adaptations. But I also well, I more think- so I more so mean Van Helsing. Yes, desire Van Helsing, to kill Dracula yes. is more more improved by the fact that it doesn't go well for Harker. I think the only thing in horror Dracula that does fall a little flat is like I think Harker's interactions with Van Helsing not being as much kind of does suck. But you look at that with the Harker and Van Helsing and Bram Stoker's Dracula, and it's like they don't they share a scene together, but they don't really talk. So like when they're both on the screen at the same time, it's like you don't care. Yeah, there's nothing to them being on screen together because they Harker comes back late in the game. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't really get much as far as like defining things to do. Well, it's because the fucking they forget Mary all Mina. about him after the, the halfway point. Like yeah. when he comes back, it's focus, just like, because, oh yeah, he was he was locked what they, up. Because what they decide to do is instead is they, they focus on this this romance between Mina and Dracula instead yeah. of the plot. Which 
it shouldn't be a fucking romance. You can't have a romance about a fucking rapist. It's just not possible. Yeah. Like it doesn't I, work. I don't care what anyone has to say. It's like, oh, well, I think they're they're fun together or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like he fucking rapes and is the cause of Lucy's death, which is her best friend. And she even says that. And the worst part in the film, she says that and she forgives him in literally a fucking minute. And I hate it. Yes. It's, it's like, dumb. oh, but she she knows she's a she's Elizabeth. It's like who fucking cares? Like she still, she still knows he's responsible for that. She become my friend. She tried to kill him. She's like, she's oh, but not. I don't care. But she's, she's not. Really. But that's the thing. It's like they, they make her flip the switch so fast out of nowhere. It's like, oh, I remember this. Oh, you're my long lost love. It's like, what? Like, no, you don't remember this. You're being suggested this while on drugs because they take the absinthe again they, they they take the absinthe as the as the way that most people envision absinthe as you drink the absinthe and you see things and you go you like you're on drugs like you're literally high and he suggests that you are elizabeth and tells you and basically suggests all these things to you and then you see them all and you believe that they're true so you become elizabeth blah 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 blah, blah. she's not elizabeth she's mina worst part about it too is that like the way all the Dracula films are structured is that Dracula never gets what he wants. Dracula dies in the end because he has to justifiably. Good. He's a he's an on-screen presence that, as I've said before, radiates big dick energy. You know, <laughs> when he's on there, you know it's Dracula and he just commands every scene. And that's what the character should do. I mean, this character doesn't fuck him. But with this one, with making it a love story, it ends pretty much with the idea that they've gotten rid of the curse and he's gonna get peace eternal peace with elizabeth he doesn't fucking deserve that though like that's the thing like with with, um bell lugosi's dracula you know he goes after whatever whatever he wants and he doesn't get it in the very end it's very much singular and not complex but you know you understand how it goes in horror of dracula he's even more impulsive and he he goes after harker and then after that, he's he's fucking like mad about Harker being a piece of shit. So he goes after his fiance and then continues going after Lucy's brother's wife. And it's like he's just a man that's on a demolition course, seeking out anything that got in his way. And then with this one, it's like he'll do that and he doesn't care. But at the same time, it's like, oh, but I want my eternal peace with my with my woman. You don't earn that though. If you're gonna go and show that this character has had three other women that he has manipulated to becoming vampires. He imprisons Jonathan Harker. He fucking kidnaps his, pretty much kidnaps his fiance. He rapes as a beast fucking Lucy and is responsible for her death. Why does he deserve eternal peace? He doesn't deserve it. No, they don't set him up as this tragic figure figure that is misunderstood and you know, isn't such a bad guy. Like he does terrible things and the movie doesn't seem to understand the things that he does are terrible and that there, there are things that are not necessarily redeemable things. So um, they're not, <laughs> they're not. Most of them are not, you know, like I, I can get behind vampires killing people because it's, it's, if it's part of their, you know, they need to eat or whatever. Like I can get behind you know, redeeming that because lots of media do that and they and they, yeah. they find ways to redeem it. It's it's the rape and manipulation kind of thing where it's just like that person doesn't deserve happiness. Like either way, it doesn't matter whether or not he had a bad life. 
Like you can't do that. And and then just expect me to be like, Oh, but he got his wife back. Like, I don't care, man. Like, yeah, you're a shithead. You don't deserve your wife, man. Like you should be in hell for eternity. Oh, hundred percent. Actually, he will be in hell for eternity with his wife. That's according to this film. I doubt it. Maybe not with his wife. What a good man. He deserves everything he gets, but you know, you bring up like, um, does somebody deserve redemption or like how far is is too far with some things like when we were talking about it before before we had mental breakdowns and a sick episode of depression yeah like we were saying how there's so many other characters that go through things like that but you understand it way more and you feel really bad for them when frankenstein ends up murdering the little girl he doesn't understand the weight of that he didn't try to murder her but she drowns and he can't it's like Imagine you put a child in a full-grown man's body. He yeah. can't understand the weight of his actions, but he still has to have consequences for those actions. And that's yeah, what leads I, to the, the end of that film. And yet within, um, not even with it, just within Universal Monster movies and stuff, but like, um, you know, I'll, I'll indulge myself a little bit, but uh, you know, like the character of Angel from Buffy and, and Angel, you know, he does some pretty terrible things throughout the ser- both series. You know, he, he, the whole situation with him having a soul and he loses his soul and becomes his alter, his, his different identity, uh, Angelus, and kills main characters. But it's like, that's not him. And you can, you can justify all the things that he does based off of, you know, set up lore and stuff like that. But with this movie, you are basically asking me to forgive a rapist and a terrible sociopathic human being. Well, he's not a human being, but uh you're asking me to 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 forgive a lot in a character that there's no reason to like you're bringing up bringing up frankenstein's perfect because that's a character that doesn't know what it's doing yeah has no idea absolutely no idea even other characters in there like the wolf the invisible man and the invisible man which is my favorite but like the wolf man like he doesn't commit these acts on purpose it's literally choice it's a different persona that takes over at night and in the end, what he wants is death because he knows the acts he's committing can't be stopped and he doesn't want to be that person. So yeah. when he does die, you feel so bad because you know Larry Talbot doesn't deserve it, but it's what's necessary with the way the film's structured. In The Invisible Man, you never see the scientist really go through mental digression, but it's said how he was a really good, smart, and, and endearing man. But after he took the serum... And became the invisible man, his mind became warped and altered and he became more deranged. So you know that's because of the serum and it's really not that person's fault. So when he does inevitably have the end of the film come along and he meets his end, you do feel bad for him because if he never took that serum, things would have been much better and much easier for him. Yeah, he probably wouldn't have died. But it's necessary too. So many terrible things wouldn't have happened, but that's kind of the, the, that's, that's kind of the beauty of the tragedy of a lot of the universal monster movies and ironically it's one that can't work for dracula no because because you have to dracula he can't do that he's if you want him if you want him to be dracula he can't be redeemed because the things that dracula has to do are irredeemable if you want him to be redeemable he's not dracula like it's not it's not an accurate rendition of a character or or it doesn't work the same way well also look at how a lot of those film structure when they have like team up movies or like uh those monsters come together like monster squad or even van helsing there's a reason dracula is the one in charge because you can't redeem him because dracula is an entity of force and an entity of evil 
it's not even like giving him a love story would be bad, but if you had a love story that's bent on vengeance where he can't swing around, it's much easier to believe versus one where, oh yeah, I, I just done some some terrible things and I want to get past it. It's like, yeah, well, so did the people you raped <laughs> as a fucking dog. <laughs> yeah. I don't forgive dog rapists. That's that's the thing. It's just this is a movie that's very confused as to its title characters like persona and confused as a basic decency for for redeemable characters so it, it kind of makes the whole finale just kind of ridiculous because we're, we're rushing to this conclusion and i swear to god we, we talked about this before about how the movie has like two acts and then has a 10 minute conclusion we rush to this this really short-lived conclusion where we're expected to believe like like oh mina flips the switch on this character like twice and then also we're supposed to be like sad at the end when he dies she's like no why would we be sad he's the villain he's the bad guy and he's not redeemable i don't care i get i get that it's sad that his his fucking wife took her life it is it's sad but that doesn't justify any of his actions i don't care because the the problem is, is he he is tricking a girl who looks like his his girlfriend or sorry his wife he's tricking a girl that looks like his wife into thinking that she is his wife reincarnated and then like kidnapping her to fucking transylvania like this is this is automatically bad <laughs> like it's sociopathic yeah. and shit like how am i supposed to back that character that's stupid and that really comes down to the structure of the film in general is that it's not structured like a film the film is entirely structured like it's supposed to be a play things play out very much like melodramatically and yeah, certainly acted like one and characters act very over the top but it's necessary when you think about the structure and that's definitely what the director was going for there's no reason people would do some stupid things and then somebody starts screaming at the top of their lungs if it was a normal played out film because oh arthur bursts into the room oh yeah i love that what's going on in here what is going on in here ah. and it makes sense like Mal Blame for coming in here yelling. His his girlfriend is, or his wife is out on on the fucking uh, on uh, in a bed surrounded by three other men with her breasts out. So I mean I don't really blame him. I guess. Yeah, but he doesn't know that when he screams that he just kicks open the doors and I know it's just coincidental. But (laughs) that's the scene where it really dawned on me that this isn't a movie. (laughs) Like it is just a long. it's It's a long play, because. All the way these characters are acting, and some of them are so funny and goofy. Like my favorite scene is when Dracula is giving his monologue about, "Oh yes, I, I was once married." Blah blah blah, and then, <laughs> and then Jonathan just—he doesn't even like laugh. He just kind of just—he smirks. He goes, but he doesn't say anything. And then for some reason, I guess Gary Oldman can feel his lips pucker up and smile, and he just pulls his hair, goes, "Hey, what's He's like. Do not laugh at me. It's like well, my family all, is not a laughing matter. It's like, well, now we're all fucking laughing at you. Why would you do yeah, that? Like fucking goofball. Oh my god. It's like it's so stupid. You wouldn't structure that in a regular film, but like I can so I can see someone overacting like that on a play because it's necessary. And that's another reason why the sets feel so hollow, because I feel like it's also another instance of it being a play, is that people don't interact with the sets. When you're doing a set in a play or in a musical, you know, sometimes you're on one thing that's moving around, but the sets have to evolve. People have to go and move the sets as fast as possible. And that's how the film plays out. 
you feel like you're just getting from one scene to the next scene. We're trying to make sure it transitions and get out of the way, but they're not interacting with the scene. The only scene I really feel like people are interacting with is the scene where Mina's about to get fucking raped and you see the girls really interacting with the garden and stuff like that. Besides that, everything else feels so hollow and it's just there. Things can happen in a scene and people can maybe move or touch something in the background. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but there's no emotional weight to it. Yeah, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like people who are existing within a space. A hundred percent. It feels like people who are who are almost separate from the space that they are clearly inside of. Yeah, you could a hundred percent assume if this was made nowadays, you could just green screen that entire scene in there because it would be any different. Yeah, because nobody's interacting with the scenes anyways. It doesn't feel like they're they're existing within a a space, like I said. And I think that's really it reminds me of the Star Wars prequels almost. Yeah, it, and that's why I've, I've said before, like, this movie to me is the Star Wars prequels because there's a lot of ideas you can flesh out, but they're just ideas. And when I found out, well, not found out, but when I kind of figured it was more like a play than it was a film, I almost forgave more things. I'm like, well, this is structured differently. It's not structured like a normal film would be. So I feel yeah. like I'm being a little too harsh on it. But even as a play, these things don't work. And, and it doesn't matter if it's structured like a play. I'm watching a fucking movie. And if I'm watching a movie and I'm unhappy, I don't care what you're going for. You fucked up. So you can forgive a certain amount of things or more so you can understand why things are a certain way, but it doesn't change everything. I understand why the prequels aren't fleshed out sometimes. I understand why they go to certain extents and it's like, these are cool ideas, but you don't delve more into it. That doesn't mean it's okay that I understand. Understanding yeah. is one thing, but you need to realize those things too. An idea is just an idea until somebody says, I'm going to capitalize on it. And if you don't yes. capitalize on it, what's the point of having the fucking idea? Everyone always talks about film- filmmaker intent. And that's important. Don't get me wrong. Filmmaker intent is important. There, there are certain tiers of that that you can kind of get into. Because like when you're talking about like movies, you're like, well, I, thought, I think it should have been like this, 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 and this. Well, to a degree, for some things, when you're talking about that, you're like, well, that's not what the director was trying to do. It's like if you if you go into like a, a, a Marvel movie expecting to get, you know, the next Shakespeare. It's like, that's not what these movies are. That's not what they're trying to do. Um, so expecting that out of them is a little weird and a little unfair. Whereas you can also look at the uh, this movie, and, but you can look at it from the other side of the coin. So for this, like the filmmaker's intent, maybe he wanted us to be like a play, like you're saying. Maybe, or maybe that was an accident who knows i don't know i, what, what, I can't see it being an accident I, I i can't either but who knows i haven't seen anything from from coppola on this movie so i, I don't know but yeah like he could attend to make this like a play and i can respect that to a degree but it doesn't mean it's exempt from me criticizing it for not playing well yes like just it, you can have a movie that, that is structured like a play that still feels like a film that still feels like it, it's it's telling a, a genuine story and hell it being structured like a play doesn't mean that it can't be in a like it doesn't automatically mean like oh that's why you can't connect to the characters because that's not true like plays are 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 often very emotional and and very very human and i know that's i know that's not what you're saying either uh but i just think that i I can see that excuse and it's just like no it's just a movie that focuses it's it's like they they hired a set designer to be the uh the director rather than a director because that's really what mostly gets paid attention to in this movie is the aesthetic. Yes, 100%. And the aesthetic means nothing when there's no weight behind it. Yes. And 
that's the biggest problem. Like, I think people don't realize that when people complain about CG, it's not because like a lot of people complain about CG because it's like, well, I want to see more explosions. I want to see more practical effects. And, you know, I love seeing animatronics and makeup being really utilized versus just somebody making a design on a computer and realizing that. Not that's that that's one thing worse. I can give this movie credit for, too. Yeah, is... and it's not, not that that's worse, but the big problem with CG is that you have to understand a lot of actors are very much not interacting with their set. And you don't understand how important that is until you realize people aren't doing it. I see a lot of people yeah. complain about CG being like, oh, you know, it's, it's in everywhere and people don't specify it's because they don't understand why they don't like it. The biggest problem is that it's not lifelike enough. It doesn't matter how fucking lifelike something is when you still can't touch it. When you feel like you're not interacting with anything, then what's the point of it even being there? So that's why I make the argument, this film might as well just be CG because they aren't interacting with it. If you can't interact with those stuff, like what's the point of even having it in the film? Yeah, again, like that kind of ties it back to the, to the prequels because like a lot of that, especially in two and three, is like a lot of it is CGI. Like, like they're literally sitting in rooms that are green screens. Yeah, they're sitting there and they're talking and it's cutting back and forth between dialogues. It's all the scene is. There's not, there's nobody walking around or not, you know, like, you know, investigating into the area. It's just, it's all just CGI. How, how impactful can a horror film be without interactivity? Exactly. And there's so much tension necessary like, in horror films that are included with contact. And when you're not yeah. making contact with other things, you lose so much tension. I agree. And this is a horror film. I don't care what it says. It's like, well, it's, it's kind of like a movie. love story, fantasy drama. I'm like, well, first of all, if it's a drama, well, then fucking that's low, low fucking scope for drama. It's a really low bar. But no, it's it's meant to be a horror film. And if it's supposed to be a horror film, why is nothing setting anybody at ease? There's yes, films that are vampire films that aren't horror films. Like Interview with a Vampire is not meant to be a horror film. It's meant to be through and through like a fantasy drama for the yeah. most part. But that film touches on things and still has huge interactivity and still blends more to the horror genre than this film does. But this film is trying to be horrifying. This film is trying to scare you. There's no reason to have Gary Oldman in a giant fucking bat suit and not be terrifying. But it's not because it's just there. All these designs have no narrative weight to it. And it's like, I brought up Fright Night before. We brought up American Werewolf. All of these different design choices for these characters have narrative weight. Whenever yeah. somebody changes into a, like for Fright Night, whenever the main bad guy turns into his more vampiric quality, like in most vampire films, like Lost Boys, whenever they change into that, it showcases they're more feral. There's more instinctual yeah. malice in these characters. So whenever Gary Oldman does one of his six different fucking changes, you don't care because it means nothing. There's no narrative weight yeah. behind it. He's just and doing I, it. It just looks yeah. different. And I want to make make clear too, we're not saying that we want them to spoon feed us reasons why these things exist. It's just that in the film, nothing that happens in any of the scenes that these these designs appear in tell you why they exist. Yes. You don't need I don't I don't need Gary Oldman to say, I am a bat because I am reverting back to my animalistic side, or I'm a wolf because I wanted more hair on my body. I don't fucking know. Like, there's no, there's really no reason. It doesn't make sense. It's just like, I don't need you to tell me why. I need to see why. And the problem is, is that outside of two forms that he takes in the movie, yes, they don't really illustrate why these forms exist. They're just there because I guess they had the money. Yeah. And they were just like, well, 
We got designers. They, they have some really cool concept art. Let's just fucking make it and put it in a scene. And I respect having that, but you still have to utilize and it. And they're awesome looking designs. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Like the bat design, awesome. The dog design looks cool. It's just, but just how I, it looks, again, that's the whole movie though, is that this looks cool, but that's all it is. And it how ironic looks- is that? How ironic is it that, that a film that is so built on telling its narrative through imagery that it has no narrative behind most of its imagery? I agree. Like, and it, it's just, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing knowing that this is directed by Francis Ford Coppola. It does not feel like something that is directed and, by the and guy I'm who directed sure Godfather. It's a, it's a passion project too of him. Yeah. Like he really wanted to do this and make it. And it's not like some studios like, oh, we need you to do this. He's like, no, I'm, I'm so involved in it. And it's like, how do you mean involved? Like you want to, yeah. you want to make this or like you're emotionally entangled into it. Cause I don't think there's any emotion really at all in this movie. You know, like, and I, I know plenty of people who love this movie, and that's good for them. And genuinely, like, if you enjoy this movie, good for you. I'm glad. And I would love to know why. And um, that's not even me being a snide prick or something. I'm, I'm, I'm seriously, like, asking. I really want to know. Let us down. Let, let us know. Like, start a conversation about this because I'm really, actually, genuinely curious. And, um, and I would say, in a way that isn't like, oh, I just have fun with it because it's campy. Like, genuinely love it. Like, genuinely, like. I think I can appreciate this and this attribute, not just saying like, it's fun to fucking throw on because it's stupid. Yeah. If, I, you say, uh, if you say you, that, it's like, that's cool, man. I get that for some films. I can't appreciate it that way, but I understand it. I, yeah. I want to know how someone genuinely appreciates this film and thinks it hits all of its narrative beats and how it's a complete film that really has you connected to it. Not in a way of saying it's impossible, but I want to see more of that because I'm not getting any of that. There's nothing cooler than getting a different perspective on something you can't latch on to because maybe you will latch on to it or maybe you'll just grow to understand different qualities that people look for in film which is also super cool yeah write a fucking essay i'll read it seriously i won't do uh, that no i won't read your okay. essay okay well if someone That's responds to your com- if somebody responds to your comment it was probably me then but yeah seriously though i, I do really want to know why and i know that there's plenty of fans of this movie out here i live with three of them yeah how about we talk about a little bit of the um the technical merits because we talked about like the makeup and all that stuff uh but we haven't really talked about like the cinematography and transition work the editing and uh actually the thing that i respect the most about this movie which is the matte painting work yeah the matte painting stuff is gorgeous and it the i, I miss, I, I miss, I miss matte shit. paintings yeah it's so good it looks really good i have to give credit like there's some of the visual aspects of this movie that give me fucking just an aneurysm but that those consistently impressed me because they just look so good and it's like they're they're in scenes that you don't expect them to be in like the train scene towards the end yeah like yeah, yeah. only like maybe a car maybe two of those train cars are real the rest of it's matte painted and it looks stunning stunning i miss matte painting stuff dude it's so cool i would say um, the editing altogether is pretty well done too like i don't i don't have any cuts in it that really draws me out of it like scene transitions is different those are terrible for most of the yeah. part like we, we've talked about there's the one transition with the tunnel that i i also agree is a pretty good transition it's pretty sick but, but you start to notice as some of the transitions like they're forcing it to work and it's really yeah. dumb and sometimes they don't even fucking care like if it was going to be like a gag where like every scene transition has some weird transition in it whatever fine there's a fucking peacock one which is just stupid it's it's just oh it transitions into a a circle like wow peacock feathers have circles on them that was what you got that's pretty awesome nice job high five go team 
But I was expecting that, it to transition into an I. Yeah, would make it, more sense. But it, even so, like it still feels so fucking forced because you see the camera. Well, it's like, it's over to transition. Peacock, like, it's like, yeah, I get it's a peacock and it's a cool transition and an idea, but there's no narrative weight to it. Transitions, if you're gonna make a, a transition that is unique, you have to give a reason for it to be there. Yeah. I will take a crossfade transition any day over some forced shitty transition that just draws me out of a movie. Hell, I take a smash cut. You know, like I, I don't, you know, like smash cuts can be good because some of them can be bad, but like artistic transitions can go either really well or really badly. And the problem is that the majority of, because it seems like almost every single transition in this movie, every time a scene, it's not, it, it, I'm being hyperbolic, but it just seems like it happens so often that Coppola just decides to do these ridiculously flashy transitions. And some people love them and fine. I don't beseech them that good. Enjoy them all you want. But no, to me, don't enjoy they, all of them. But to yeah. me, they, they just have not. It, I bet in the nineties, this shit was 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 crazy. But nowadays, it's just annoying. Like it's just like if you could feel the director saying, "All right, we're gonna force this shot to have this special transition, even though it doesn't really make sense. We're just gonna do it anyways." And it just it, just, it looks so tacky, and it sucks. It's, it just sounds like we're 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 two you know twenty five year olds bitching about a movie we possibly we couldn't have possibly seen as uh, when it came out we're looking at it through modern day glasses i wouldn't even say that though because there's so many things that like if we can go back and and appreciate and understand films like not just evil dead but like horror of dracula the universal monster films uh, like one of both of our favorite films in general is casablanca and it's like that's a film that came out in what 1941 1942 if we can appreciate films that are that far back and showcase the beginning of cinema things that took place in the big revitalization like in the 80s for for cinema yeah the nine the 90s for films in general usually suck because it feels like it's trend setting in cinema and trend setting just sucks in general if this film came out six years later after jurassic park i guarantee the way more fucking cg i guarantee it because this film, with the transitions and the way things happen, having Keanu Reeves in that role, a lot of it just comes down to artistic vision, trends that'll get people in the fucking seats. And that's what the film matches up to be. And it's just so weird, disjointed, and I just, I hate it. That's, that's my biggest problem with films in the 90s. A lot of films yeah. follow that play, it's just, play style. Ni- and it's like, the 90s is full point. of, 90s is, the 90s for cinema, a lot of times is full of just overindulgence um same with and, 2000s for like cg in the yeah. 2000s like cg was a way of saying look how good this is see the movie and it, and cg became such a heavy gimmick to an extent okay yeah i get there's a design here but i'm not watching the fucking two towers that's not Gollum. i'm not getting interactivity from the cds cg design yeah i'm just getting an aneurysm because you keep showing me this shit and you put fucking 400 million dollars into a design that can't interact with the fucking cast and crew it's not, it's not like 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 that's kind of the amazing thing about the 90s as far as actual like cg work is like a lot of the times when you're they were doing, they were doing cg in the 90s a they were pioneering shit like crazy yeah jurassic but, park it's not fully cg exactly a lot of that's cg is to help mask well with the animatronics you're like oh yes. jurassic park is a it's it's responsible for this big boom and crazy cg Watch the fucking movie. It's not about how crazy these CG dinosaurs are. It's about making CG in animatronics and live action 
fucking designs cohesively work together. It doesn't replace it because yes. you would lose so much interactivity with the fucking designs if you can't touch them. It looks like a bunch of fucking filmmakers just totally lost that idea and said, you know what? You know what? Fuck people. Fuck designs. Fuck animatronics. Here's a fucking fairy that can't touch anything, but I spent 80 million on it. I don't fucking care about your fairy, dude. That's sick, man. She's probably pretty cute. I can't touch her. I don't give a fuck about her. You know, I want to feel like it's real, man. Like, yeah, no, I understand. It's not tangible. If you made a Peter Pan film and I didn't believe Tinkerbell was talking to Peter Pan, well, I really just wouldn't watch the fucking movie. Yeah, like that's kind of the thing like with Jurassic Park is that um, there's plenty of CGI in the movie. It all is like like all the really memorable moments in that movie, I feel are you'll be surprised are actually animatronics hitting the, the car and stuff like there's good chunks of that where that was a real t-rex there's a full-size t-rex um animatronic that's on set like it's it like it's it's really there that's why it works whereas like in in some movies in the 90s and and later on they're just like i'm gonna make this bucket cgi because i didn't feel like buying it and i forgot it so i'm gonna put put a bucket in there at cgi like it's or, stupid or nowadays most that's like nowadays. How blood is cgi too Oh my god, they've they have almost never gotten CGI blood right. There's very I few don't times. understand why though. Like there's something because, so because it saves money, it saves money and time. Yeah, it but does. it doesn't save my frustration. <laughs> like like the thing, like people don't do squibs very often these days, except for low budget filmmaking. Um because they just throw, throw CGI blood out the out the window. Like um, like the only, I think the only the only franchise I think I've seen CGI blood in that like it actually works in is probably John Wick. But it's a mixture of. But John Wick also has such fast cuts where you can't really notice much of the blood. Yeah, but also some of it is is squib, some of it isn't yeah. squib. So like they mix it in there, so you can kind of get the best of both. But yeah, like you said, like they're they're moving target to target. You're not noticing the fucking CGI blood at that point. It, it's um, ironic that so many films do that. In a film like here, when the interactivity is people making contact purely with each other. And the blood is huge fucking splatters of blood everywhere. And everything is so innately horny where it's just like a blood splatter is like an orgasm. Yes. And it's it's ridiculous. The whole movie is so fucking horny. And don't get me wrong. Anytime you see a vampire bite someone in a film, it's innately supposed to be hinted at like an orgasm. It's sexual. It, it, it's a sexual, sexual. It's exchange of fluid, fluids, blah, 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 blah. It's yeah. a sexual allegory. I get it. I but get this it. is like the best it literally. of your life, man. Yeah, this, this movie, is like, this movie holy takes it so fuck, literally. Like, I have never wet my yeah. willy to this extent. This motherfucker like bites people and they react like, again, like they're, they're, they're having sex rather. Like, you, th- you think if you're getting your neck bit by two very sharp pointed teeth that it would hurt and you'd be screaming not moaning not like you're like if you're getting bit by a fucking cross from mr freeze with a fucking 1700s revolutionary war wig you're not going to be like dude this is sick man i'd be like grandpa please go back to bed you have dementia is this nothing ironic is nothing erotic about most of this film yeah, it's it's like, a movie that came out in the nineties. Nineties are full of erotic in, films, erotic the thing thrillers too. and stuff. But Lucy too, she's after she gets big, oh, she's, she's horny fucking as fuck. horny all the time. She, she was naked horny all the time. Be, yes, to be fair, yeah, she, she was horny was, as fuck before but, that. But it's like horny alerts. We're getting off the walls, and that's fine. Cool, get horny. Get get your fuck on. That's sick. But like, without that, like, I'm sorry, 
I can't look at her sexually after she'd just been raped. That's no, absolutely thing. not. And it's like every time it's after that, she's like super, they take her clothes off and stuff. And it's like, hey, man, I feel like she was violated and I don't want to take part in her her being like this that's kind of oh that's kind yeah, of thing it's so too. ironic like, i was like it's not erotic man i know what happened to her and i feel bad and you should feel bad for having this fucking scene happen after it right after yeah like i don't want to be that guy but like this is this is one of those movies where it's just like it feels like sometimes breasts come out just to come out like it just feels like hey look you like looking at boobs right here's some boobs for you it's just like <laughs> okay cool I got to say, that's Thanks, my biggest man. problem with some horror movies. Like, if it's a tongue-in-cheek type of, like, 80s film, like, you could toss off some boobs all like, you want. Like, like sleep, like, like, um, what's it called? No, I almost did it. Not, not that. Uh, sleep, um, sleep, sleep, uh, no, Slumber Party. Slumber Party. Sorry, Slumber Party Massacre. I almost said Sleep Away Massacre. Like, that was, it's yeah. Slumber Party Massacre. Um, that's, that is the definition of tongue-in-cheek slasher where it's just or a bunch even, of girls like having a sleepover yeah, yeah chopping mall where just tits yeah. come out for whatever Who it's cares? like that's so tongue-in-cheek and it's like not trying to be serious yeah but like if you're gonna have a serious movie and like you want to show nudity i'm not against that but there has to be like reason to it or it has yeah. to have like emotion connected to it like nudity should exist in filmmaking with a narrative purpose a lot of the time yes. Unless you're going to be tongue-in-cheek or just say, like, oh, it's just some stupid shit, like a uh, fucking cheesy movie or whatever. Really give a purpose behind having a nudity scene or, or something like that because it's still a movie, man. Like, if I wanted to look at fucking tits, like, dude, there's a lot of other places I could go to besides watching a film right now. Yeah. I, I don't want to pause a film being like, oh, I guess it's time. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Like, I'm trying to watch a fucking movie. You know, like, I, like I, get, I also get the point, like, some movies are created, they're supposed to be erotic. Yeah, uh, look at the Hammer mo- films. Yeah, or, like, movies like, like, Basic Instinct, even though that's a fucked up movie, but, like, it, it is an erotic thriller. But, like, something like this, like, they are trying to make this an erotic film. And vampire movies being erotic is not new, like it's, you're talking about with the, the Hammer It's usual, movies. yeah. It's the way that the stuff is viewed in the movie that feels weird, and it feels like it's it's very artificial, and it feels like it's just like, ah, we need to have breasts in the scene because yeah. we need breasts in the scene. It's just like, okay, fine, whatever. But like, it doesn't, it doesn't add anything to anything. Like, and, and like, again, like we, we talked about this, like the first time we recorded this, one of the things I said, like, it is the most unsexy erotic movie I've ever seen. hundred percent. It, it's you, ridiculous. You even brought I, it's up- probably, not, probably not that I've ever seen. I could probably think of one that's worse, but yeah. it's up there. Yeah. I don't want to try to think of that though. But yeah, I don't either. You, you brought up how, like, you know, in vampire films, it, it, it's fine. It's like, I'd say it's almost essential to have eroticism in a vampire film with a lot of the innuendos and allegories exchanging fluids with blood, you know, a yeah. lot of like, um, uh, homo it fits erotic, the genre, a lot of homoerotic uh, tendencies, a lot of like androgyny and stuff like that. I think having very much a sexual prowess is important in vampire films and in most vampire films. They do showcase that, except for maybe some exclusions like Nosferatu doesn't do it very often. Not just the yeah. original, but even the remake doesn't do it very often. Bela Lugosi's Dracula. But most vampire films lean into the sex appeal, and it should. It's a very sexual, innate creature, and that's well, why people it, latch on to It's appealing to human desires, honestly. Yes. Human desires. Look, it, like not, obviously some people are asexual, whatever, but like generally speaking, they're going after the idea that a lot of people just 
are, they're they're attracted to people like they're they're sexually attracted to people and they use and vampires use that to acquire victims it, it's just that's the reality of it that's again a reason why like this that, movie trying to know, make him be redeemable i never thought sense. about it like that though but like because you bring up asexual um i wonder if people who are asexual could have another look at this film in a way not at this film but like in vampire films in general about like uh because it is just a necessary thing and it's not like it's usually f- fueled by like a want because sometimes it's desire but sometimes it's just necessity i wonder yes. if there's a whole different outlook to have on vampire films from an asexual point of view that's pretty intriguing to think of yeah not even in like a way where it's like oh it just you know showcases how everyone has a sexual nature or anything but i wonder that type of perspective I wonder how much they fucking hate this movie too, because this movie is just Once again, all, so all this movie, all this movie's trying to do the entire time is just like slap your fucking just, horn dog out. That's what they're exactly, trying to do this entire like, time. It, it seems like the entire movie is like, hey, I'm gonna give you a boner. And you're just yeah, looking yeah. at him saying, like, no, I don't want to have one right now, my my friend. Hey bro, do you like this film? No, man, not really. Why don't you swing some meat? That that'll probably change your opinion. No, it's they, not for, for it's Christ's not sake. They anything. for Christ's sake, they even put Monica Bellucci in this as one of the fucking brides of Dracula. That's if, if they aren't trying to smack a bone around here, right there. I love like, that scene because that's the most innate, like, I'm getting a blowy I've ever seen in a film that's like supposed to not be it. Because most of the time, it's like, oh yeah, maybe she's biting his leg. It's like, no, no dude, look at his he face, fucking, bro. Yeah, <laughs> Keanu's <laughs> face, it's the funniest shit because. If he was going like, ooh, I'd be like, oh, he might be getting a blowy. But he goes, oh, <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. Like, he either got a blowjob or he closed his eyes and figured out how to have eternal life and he's never going to die. Because th- that's a reaction I've never seen before. Hey, man, it's Maka Bellucci. This movie is fucking, it's funny. Weird. Man. It's such a weird fucking movie, it's so dude. It's fucking funny. Like, <laughs> it's just like, there's so much here that, like, would work. Like, Again, the technical prowess is there. Some of it's a little bit overextended and a little bit, um, there's a little bit too much of certain things, but the technical prowess is there. There's a great cast here. I probably wouldn't, like, I know why they casted Keanu Reeves. I probably wouldn't have casted him as Jonathan Harker, just saying. Um, but like, there's a good cast here. Even like Anthony Hopkins is a great actor, not a great Van Helsing. I hate but, him. He's easily to me the worst Van Helsing. And I mean, bar none. Oh, that's, that's a low bar for me. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry. It's too high of a bar, I should say. Him being the worst is a very easy choice, I should say. Sorry, rephrase. Uh, I've watched a lot of other um, Dracula films, too. Like, I watched Dan Curtis's Dracula. I've seen I a lot of different one, ter- interpretations. But um, I bet you the worst one I'd probably watch is if I watched Argento's Dracula finally and Rutger Howard would probably be at the bottom. Oh, maybe. Just I, I really that. hate Hopkins. I, heard, I, really I heard that movie's him. terrible. I heard that movie's terrible. Yeah. Well, his... uh. I've also heard his Phantom's terrible too. He has a Phantom. I didn't. Know, I didn't even know Argento did a Phantom in the opera. Movie. Pretty sure he has a Phantom. Gross. I love Argento. Argento is an amazing, amazing director. But uh, I love ooh. his Giallo films. Yeah, they're fantastic. <laughs> but but uh, you yeah, know, I, I think another thing is like, his take on the character is just so fucking bizarre. I mean, it's just the whole movie. But he shouldn't be eccentric. He shouldn't. He should, Van Helsing should not be that eccentric. I always come at like the, the genuinely funniest moment in this movie in this movie for me might have been when he was when he brought Jack after after Lucy died, he brings um what's his name Jack out into the uh out into the hall to ask him if if he could meet him at the uh the her like future tomb with some like surgical equipment and he's like are you gonna perform an autopsy he's like 
no, I just want to take her heart out and cut her head off. And then Jack just walks away from him. He's like, well, what did I say? He's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, oh my God. My favorite, so that's, weird. My, my favorite scene that's humorous is definitely the Gary Oldman fucking try to mess with Keanu. But yes, the but second one. The difference is, is that the one that's I'm not intentional. Is supposed yeah. to be humorous. The one that yeah. you're talking about is supposed to be. Yeah, we could debate fun, that another day. But there's definitely another scene that's supposed to be humorous in a weird way is when he's humping Quincy and he's getting his. Oh, God. It's like, so dude, fucking weird, oh, dude. man. Like. Look at this fucking short and stout little man just like, humping like, fucking Billy Campbell. Can we stop I'm, doing this? I'm a bit, I'm a bit spoiled, but like, fuck, like looking at him next to next to fucking uh, Peter Cushing, just like, how are you the same? Supposed to be the same fucking character. After like, watching Horror of Dracula, I like it a lot more. I think Van Helsing is easily the best interpretation, and in, with Cushing, but yeah, he's awesome. Belagosi's Dracula is still my favorite. <laughs> I think his Dracula is bar none better. I don't like how Christopher Lee does just become an archetype in the film. He doesn't, he's not much of a character after the introduction scene. Van Helsing in that movie sets a high bar for anybody after that because he is such a fleshed out, well-developed character. And when you go from a character like that to this version where it's just, I'm fucking weird. I'm stupid. I'll have you do a million things and nobody questions it, dude. Yeah, it's like he doesn't. He doesn't even. He's not even the one who takes Dracula down either. No, Quincy is. Quincy, I guess Quincy and Mina do a do a one two double tap. Yeah. Quincy gives Quincy gives him the old stakearoo with the uh, the 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 knife knife and and she does the old uh, choppy chop on the neck. So I wish Jack was the one that died. I like Jack. I like Quincy. Not more. Not more than Quincy, but I, I do like Jack. I also think I just have an attachment to the actor. I like I like Richard Richard Grant. There's really no narrative way for Quincy to do it though. It should have been Jonathan Harker to be real. Yeah. Also, I would have preferred Jonathan Harker die too because like it finalizes his character. And like I don't really want him to get back together with Mina. <laughs> I really don't. He doesn't deserve she doesn't deserve him after that. Yeah. Imagine going out trying to sell a house, getting kidnapped, pretty much about to being getting raped. And then you break out, you're low on blood, you go back to your wife, she fucking wants to fuck some four-headed monster. And the guy then, who imprisoned you. Yeah, so, yeah, literally. Not that she knows that. She does. She Not that he was imprisoned. Well, we don't know because we don't ever see their fucking reunion, which is the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. That's like so she, stupid. Like, we, we don't know for a fact that she knows that, that Dracula imprisoned him because she got the letter from him that says, I'll be staying here for a while. I would assume it would, it would be brought up, but yeah. I would assume too. I just I didn't see you it. You don't happen, fucking so see just, it, which is so it didn't happen. So. Shows how important their reunion I, is. To I generally, I literally, go. I generally say if I don't, if it's not in the movie, it's not there. I just assume that's it fair. didn't happen. I so. agree with that. That just shows how fucking dumb the movie is, though. It's just that's that's just kind of the way some people explain away things in the movies. Like, well, this this probably happened off screen. It's like, well, you say, hey, you're saying this probably happened, and B, you're saying, oh, hundred percent off screen. I just like, can't. Cares about I just screen. can't imagine being in prison and not being like, dude, guess what happened to me? Like. <laughs> Yeah, I no, I agree. Month. Yeah, you are right though. They never bring oh, it up. The I think we're talking. The we're reunion talk- is off we're both screen. Kind of, we're also stupid. We're also both kind of talking about the same about different things because I thought I was saying she didn't know when she was falling in love, quote unquote, with fucking um, Dracula that he imprisoned uh, Harker. Yeah, she I don't really. I just that. mean in general that like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I don't know. If she, ever found, 
she had to have found out after that. That's my point. Like because because I would assume that she would have to because she knows that they're going after him. Yeah, so, she'd have I don't know. To. It's just narratively, weird. it would just she would have to. Well, I guess the, the whole switch that she flips on him is the whole like she, she she's like I'm the inside man and I fucking cut your head off, but it's like not that. So no, I don't it's know. Not. It's, it's like, definitely the way that scene plays out at the end is definitely that like I am Elizabeth. I love you, but if you want eternal peace, I'm gonna be the one that gives it to you, and she does it. So it's done as like your lover giving the the, the executioner blow. But I hate that. I don't like I don't like Mina in the movie. I fucking hate Dracula. The entire end just if it if it literally was just Quincy running up and stabbing him and it was like a big fucking cut to like a black screen, I'd be like, you know, I'll take it. It yeah. could be the worst fucking thing ever. And I would like that way more than the ending they give because it's so not deserved. Like, the 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 final like 15 minutes of this movie is just it feels like it, it should have been another 20 minutes. Yeah. Like it feels so short. And like they they bum rush Dracula, they're chasing him through the mountains on a carriage, which I remember being a lot a, a lot better of a set piece than it was because I was watching it and like with the lighting and the way that it's filmed, it's just like I don't know who the fuck's getting stabbed. I don't know what's going on anymore. And they get in front of the castle and fuck. I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty funny to watch Dracula like bust out of his fucking coffin or whatever and just fucking punch people across the the fucking um the castle steps he just whacks yeah. he just bitch slaps everybody that's why it's no even reason. weirder that quincy dies because he just gets hit like he doesn't get like fucking stabbed or anything he just gets punched away and it's like no oh, he gets he's... stabbed he gets he gets stabbed the show his back is all bloody oh i just thought it was like he took like a fucking hit on the back when he like falls or whatever no, he gets Seven. stabbed and or he gets stabbed and or slashed i can't remember what it was specifically oh, but he did he did get cut up he was bleeding and that's why he died sucks to suck dumbass yeah, but like, like it's just it, it feels like you, you have this big showdown. You feel like the showdown is just beginning. You you think when when they walk when she walks him into that fucking room that they're gonna have a, a showdown? That's the way it, it looks. She's really? like, my, it, like, like I have to take I over. Did, now. I never felt that. That's what I felt like because it's like it's like it's my turn now because she was like saying like it's like you've done your part. It's my turn now, and like it, it looks like it's really. Supposed to be a I never scene. got that. I always picture it, it like. Because with the plays out, it's just like I always picture it like she's gonna bring him in there to try to help him and like get him out because she's clearly just fucking stupid and like yeah I'm gonna save him I love him and when she kills him it's like great she he's dead but like I knew it was gonna be another fucking stupid long monologue which is just dumb and annoying about a stupid love plot that doesn't make any fucking sense and it's just overall harming this film and my my watching it. (laughs) Maybe it's just me because I because I, I, I feel like that would be a logical choice for them to do based off of the fact that this man manipulated her and did all these things to her that I feel like she would want to snap back at him. But then again, she's fucking stupid. So you're right. Well, um, I just feel like you say she's not even Elizabeth. In in my perspective, she's 100% supposed to be the reincarnated Elizabeth. I, like, don't, I don't see her as that based off the absence. But there's like other the whole, scenes the whole too idea. where she where she talks about like I don't know this, but I'm thinking of other memories, and it's not just in that scene; it's other scenes they talk about that too. And at the end of the film, it's not even a thought of like, oh, this man did this to me. She just 100% loves him, and she's 100% willing to do whatever for him. And the only reason I believe she kills him is that he told her to do it. And I yeah. fucking hate that. I I hate this movie so goddamn much. Nothing yeah, is know. deserved. No. None of the romance works. None of it makes fucking sense. Everything feels so goddamn forced to get from point A to point B. 
and you finish the film like what the fuck you could you could do so much to make this narratively flow when you said no i'm gonna fuck it up as much as possible take you out of it and say hey did you have fun of course not fuck you and then get kicked in the teeth like that's what the film is to me to me, I always I always read it as the scene where he starts to give her the absence and stuff is when a su- the suggestion begins, where he's implanting the idea in her head and manipulating her into being Elizabeth. Maybe he genuinely believes that she is, but I don't think she is, and I think I think that genuinely she is manipulated into believing herself that she is Elizabeth. So the entire rest of the movie, she is under that suggestion, because that's the power of vampires, and it's um, not... they, they do demonstrate it in the movie. I don't think it's so, well demonstrated in the movie, though. Maybe not well demonstrated, but they do they do use it in the movie. So it's like that's why I read it like that. Is that I know that that's the possibility, and the way that it reads to me is that she is being manipulated into believing that she's Elizabeth. And at the end, she still believes she's Elizabeth, but she kills him. I mean, she, it does come down to the fact that it, he is supposed to be a tragic figure, and her him dying is supposed to be a release from the evil. And I get that. Like that's that's all all that's true. It's just that I don't believe that she's actually supposed to be Elizabeth. I think that it's all just manufactured. I think it's supposed to be. I think the way the film reads itself is that Elizabeth is going to give him the final killing blow. It's going to release him from his like demonic fate. He will ascend to being probably in heaven and not go to hell with all the shit he's done. And then when Elizabeth dies again, this time she won't reincarnate, but she'll be part of, she'll be with him together. And that's how I feel like the film plays out. And that's why it bugs me so much. <laughs> he doesn't deserve it. We've said it a million times. He doesn't deserve it. it the, it's thing, even... the thing that irritates me most, though, is that that happens. She cuts his head off and it cuts straight to black. There's no resolution beyond that. Like you go through this entire movie and, you know, you got, you got, you got Jonathan Harker back. He's not dead. No. You got, you got all these people back. And, and, and all of a sudden, it just, he like, doesn't she matter. cuts his head off. She cuts his head off. And then all of a sudden, boom, Bram Stoker's Dracula credits. It's like, and that's the problem. She doesn't matter. He's the introductory. He's the, the protagonist character from the get-go. And as soon as they introduce the love plot, he's gone. Yeah. It, it's, and it's so like, fucking that, that, That's kind of the problem. It's just like, this is, a, again, like the finale just feels like they're like, like, I don't know, maybe they edited it down severely or something, but it just feels like the finale. The be- It feels like, and I know it's not, like I said, our, the first time I recorded this, I bet you if I took out a piece of paper and I wrote down all the plot points of this movie, I could point out where the three act or four, five act or whatever, however many act structure is. But in film, it does not feel like it has that kind of a structure at all. Yeah. Um, and because of that, when you get to the finale, it feels like the finale is 10 minutes like the third act or the final act i should just say the final act is just 10 minutes long and just ends with an abrupt cut to black it's a weird weirdly paced movie i don't think the editing is i think that by saying that by saying that the 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 structure of the film feels so wonky and especially the way that um the film passes through like the way that um it feels to watch the pacing is bad. And by that, I mean, the editing is, is off. Something is wrong with this movie. It's not, I'm not saying the editor's a shit editor or something. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying like, there's something up with this movie. There's something that needs to be trimmed. Well, a decent amount of it needs to be trimmed where this movie is two hours and seven minutes. And it feels like it's like four hours. And it's not just like, it's a slow burn movie. Yeah, It does feel like it's four hours. Movie. I said to you before when you're like, oh, well, you sure you want to watch it? It's like, yeah, I mean, I want you to see it for again. And like, I got a lot of shit to bitch about in this movie. 
I said, the only thing that sucks is it's a long movie. And you said, it's like two hours. I'm like, are you sure? I think it's like two hours and 40 minutes. He's like, no, nope, it's like two hours and seven minutes. I looked at the runtime. I was like, holy shit, it is. Doesn't feel like it. Yeah. No, like, I'm trying to, like, it has nothing to do. Like, I don't mind slow burn films at all. Um, it has so to feel like, like it is in a slow burn sometimes. Yeah. It has to feel like it's going naturally. Yeah, like, a, well, there's a difference between being a movie being a slow burn and a slow movie. So it doesn't sound like there's much of a difference when you hear no, it like that, is, yeah. but it, it is like you can watch a movie like Blade Runner 2049. That's a slow burn film. Buildup is important with films. Yes. And like I love setting films. the stage context, all that stuff. It's very important stuff and, and laying out your, your plot points perfectly and making sure that the payoff is of maximum power is important. So slow burn films are important. A lot of thrillers, a lot of a lot of great espionage movies are slow burn movies. The problem is, is that this film doesn't feel like it amounts to much for all that slow tendency. My favorite thing about slow burns is that when you're taking so long with the first act of a film, you're getting so much more investment into a character. When you're watching a slow burn film, it's almost like you know for sure that you are going to get latched onto a character. And yeah. the problem with this film feeling it takes so long is that I want to get by everything as fast as possible because I can't be latched onto these characters. These characters yeah. don't interact like real characters because it's not a film. It's a fucking play. And they play out like just stereotypes. Most of the time, everything feels so forced. And if I can't get invested in the characters, then there's no point in feeling, having everything be so drawn out at this yeah. point. You're not getting me along for the ride. You're fucking hog tying me and then just forcing me to sit in the backseat. Yeah. I agree. It's like they 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 set up with the with the opening act like that. Where the idea is going to be that that Jonathan Harker is our protagonist. Which you know, if they want to bait and switch it and make it Mina, that's fine. Like they don't they don't give much context to these characters other than he's getting married to Mina and he's doing a very important real estate deal. That's it. That's all his character has. Like there's nothing else to him. And Mina is I am going to be Jonathan's wife. Really, what else is there to her? Honestly. Yeah. Oh, I'm friends with Lucy. We've been friends for a long time. You can't get latched on to these characters. There's nothing but... to, to latch on to. There's nothing there. The only character that has anything to... The, the only character with a real concrete origin and like you know the character technically is Dracula. And that's yeah. fine. But he's not but your protagonist. Is, <laughs> yeah, he's not your protagonist, but you're still... Even, even though you're trying to make him a redeemable character at times, he's he's not the protagonist. And having your villain be fleshed out is great. But if your if your main players aren't, then what was the point? Yeah, hundred percent. You don't want the you want the villain to lose at that point, though. For most films, yeah. I mean, you do with this one because you hate him because one, the acting sucks for most of the time. The love story is boring. Everything about it just draws you away from it. But most of the time, when you have one fully fleshed out character, you want them to come out on top. Yeah. yeah, that's the biggest problem with a lot of like sequels for stuff is that when you have a character that you've met the first film and the sequel, they flesh out the villain. And they almost do too good of a job where you're like, oh, well, I kind of like them more now. You always have to keep a good like 50-50 of your hero and villain if you want to have a film dynamic where you can understand one side but still root for your protagonist. Yes. It should be I think I think it should be around like 60-40. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, because you really should get into your hero's head the most. I think it depends on the type of film, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it also depends on runtime and how much time you have to tell yeah. your story and all that stuff. Yeah. Like that's the problem is like, yeah, cool. I might know kind of who, who, who our, our main villain is or, or the title character is, but the actual protagonist of the movie is not Dracula. And 
both options for protagonists are not very well fleshed out at all. It's not like it's Van Helsing. Van Helsing is barely in the movie. Nobody's fleshed out. Yeah, that's the problem. There's nothing. There's nothing to these characters. How am I supposed to be invested in these? Like they want you to be invested in Dracula. They want you to be very invested in Dracula. They want you to to want him to be a tragic figure that gets redeemed at the end. But the problem is, is that again, the things that he does are not consistent with that archetype. They're not consistent with the idea of a tragic figure that's redeemed. It doesn't work. He's a, he's a, a fucking creep and a rapist and and a um just a murderer and a manipulator. Like this is a character that that should not and cannot be redeemed. This is going to be the final note before we give our final thoughts. I'm going to end on you cannot redeem a rapist. That's all I have to say. I've said it once. I've said it twice. I'll say it a million times. You can't do it. That's all. So what would you say for your final thoughts on Bram Stoker's Dracula? This is a movie that I respect from a technical perspective, but it's a movie that I, I can't find myself enjoying watching. It's a very, very slow, a meandering, dull film with characters that barely have any, any development to them. A lot of empty style, just full of visual choices that are, I guess, cool, but don't mean anything ultimately. It is the ultimate style over substance movie that I think I've ever seen. Um, I don't like it. I used to. Uh, this is a this is a big change for me. I, I went from about a four star rating down to a one point five. I really don't like this. Out of, out of five stars, I really really did not enjoy watching this. And the fact that we had to record this again after after recording it once is indicative of that. Because you know I don't usually have a problem tearing apart movies. I just didn't want to talk about this movie. I straight up just did not want to think about this movie for at least a day. <laughs> like it was bad. And like I like I don't even think I even brought this up. I had to watch this in two sittings. I had this I stopped it at the hour point and watched it the next day to finish it because I was just falling asleep. I was just so bored. There was nothing to 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 enjoy in this other than some of the visuals. Just very very disappointing movie. Very disappointing movie from a, a incredible director. It's just everyone has a bad day at the office. Everyone has a uh, has a slip up. This was Francis Ford Coppola's for me so far. I love that this film exists for one reason entirely. I know whenever I talk about films, a lot of my complaints come from the fact that there's no real visual stylization. Films exist purely to show how the story is supposed to get along with the plot and that that's all it exists for. And I feel like if I don't have any visual necessity to latch on to, nothing's going to strike me or stand out in the film for me. And I'm glad this exists because this showcases to me that I am not style over substance. It showcases to me that I want to love a character. I want them to feel like they have iconography. I want them to feel like they're real. And I want to feel like I'm getting artistic vision, but at the same time, I'm getting story. This film almost purely exists to say, you're not crazy. You're not asking for anything but a bare minimum. Because when you get something that is too stylistic, you are going to notice, you aren't going to like it, and that's a good thing. So I'm glad that, that, that this film exists for that pure reason, to keep me sane and not overthink about or how I viewpoint film. But besides that, as a film, it upsets me so greatly. <laughs> Vampires are my favorite of the mythological genre and horror. There's so much to do with, with, the, with that IP. There's so much to do with those type of characters. You could really have so much of an emotional tale with these type of characters because you don't have one wolf. You don't have one crazy scientist. You have 
an army of different characters that can interact and emotionally talk to each other. And you aren't going to flesh that out. And that's this entire film. Characters that don't connect emotionally. And that's all I'm going to say. And that's what I'm going to end it on. I have, I have one, one more point to make about, about this movie. It's a little bit adjacent to the actual film itself. If you're ever considering it, do not pick up the 4K for this movie. It is a waste of money. It is frustrating. The black levels are awful. It is super grainy. And I don't mean that I'm not a grain hater. I like grain in movies because it's just, it's something that exists. Um, it adds texture to the movie, but it's overly grainy in certain scenes and it's super inconsistent. So if you're going to buy a 4K for a movie, don't fucking buy this one. I don't care how cheap it is. It's not worth it. It's ass. It's bad. It's one of the worst 4Ks I own next to Terminator 2. And on that note, I think that's enough for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel. We have a couple of outtakes up there already. Pretty fun to listen to. We're also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, a bunch of other different places. Anchor, of course. Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts. Lots of awesome ones. So thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you again next time. And goodbye. Hopefully we'll be happier next time. We won't.